Well, welcome back to the podcast, Conversations with Jeff Bucknam. Dr. Jeff Bucknam is the lead pastor of teaching and vision at Harvest Bible Chapel in Chicagoland, and I am your host, Tommy Kreitz, and uh, we are going to have a conversation with someone today. But before we get into the conversation, we're going to have a preamble ramble, pre-ramble conversation about whatever it is that we want to, because Tommy, this you're is, wearing a shacket we today. I'm wearing a shacket, yeah. You, what do you also, think of the new? What do you think of the new? Uh, you're wearing a shacket too. Am I? Yeah. Right. That's I a jacket. Know. Shirt I jacket. So. I think yours so. is like a genuine jacket. It's like a. Yeah, what do you think? Right. What do you think of the new? Uh, th- this is like the biggest move in men's fashion for years. The jacket. The jacket. Yeah. It's well. I think it's amazing. Here's why. Because it's. It looks good, and it's also really practical. Yeah. You're just throwing two things. It's a two in one. Yeah, it's like that. It's like that uh, five in one hair and body wash. Yeah, you only need one. Yeah, that's right. I don't need a it jacket. Covers all, covers all the stuff. It's got all the bases. It doesn't get too hot. It doesn't get too cold. I mean, I was a little. I mean, when we were in that uh, in that negative uh, polar vortex the other day, it was a little cold. Was I had that to wear a polar a vortex. I don't know. It was like negative. Feels like negative thirty three. So I don't know. What is a polar vortex then? If that's not it. How cold is polar vortex? Where it's just negative 33 without the feels like. <laughs> just standard negative 33. So I think it's... I mean, I, that, was, that was my first foray kind of into like really, really cold Chicago weather. You know, okay? this is actually perfect. And um, so I, I want to know. Yeah. Is that what you guys are whining about all the time? No. Because that wasn't that much. I mean, it wasn't that bad. I think that, uh, but remember like last year, was it? We talked about winter. There was a short little we bit had, last year. Yeah, we had a very like, mild winter, and you're like, "Is this it? it?" And we're like, "No, it gets a, it gets worse than that." And then uh, I don't know. This year, this year is. I mean, we had two snowfalls that were well, but a they're little, they're pretty legit snowfalls. It was a little bit apparently. Of a snowfall. This is the most snow that's fallen in the last four years or something. Yeah, that's probably true. In like so, a, in a single day. Yeah, yeah, that's probably true. Friday was a pretty big. So will the snow? Uh, go away before uh, it snows again? That's a good question. Is that like a thing? It could, but it probably won't. There's a lot of snow. Well, I mean, a lot for us. Yeah, but it's okay. So I don't know. It was, I mean, what, 38 today? So it might, it might, it might thaw out. All right. I don't know. So basically spring. We're in spring now. Basically, yeah. I mean, we're, I mean, it was. Okay. We went from negative 33 to. 30s yeah. so like that's a good swing i'm gonna tell you i don't dig i don't dig the extended snow on the groundness you don't nah. you don't like that nah. is that something you didn't have in canada right yeah and canada just went away lots of canada has that but where we lived in canada it was not like that at all so it's snowfall yeah and then it goes away it eventually. Just goes away. yeah although the roads here are way better before before the snow goes away so it's not i mean it's not a thing you look out in the fields here and it's snow and that doesn't bother me. And the roads are fine. The roads Whereas are fine. Where I, in Canada, where I used to live, it if it's, the snow falls, you're staying home, man. There's no way. There's no like. No, the, and you might be there for days. The plows just didn't. There's. I. They, I don't, they don't know have if they those have things. Some plows. Yeah, all in, the money goes to healthcare, probably. Van, in Vancouver, well, other parts of Canada have it, but in Vancouver, they don't have a lot of plows. They just are like, whatever. <laughs> It'll go away. The rain's coming, man. The rain's coming. It's going to take it's care of it. Wash it all away. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm. Uh, I'm going to ask this question then, okay. weather related. Yep. What do you expect? What, like, what what is the day or date that you expect it to be spring? Like, what what is what is that date? 
Like when it turns March. Yeah. Are you starting to think, yeah, we're probably. getting there. Yeah, 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 for sure. Once like late, like er, like mid to late March is like, yeah, I should wear. Oh, everybody in the I'm, room is nodding their head mid to late March. That feels right to me. Okay. So, so when people are going to whine, if on April 1st, it's like still cold. Yeah. Because April showers bring May flowers, not April snow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's not the saying. Yeah. Okay. If it's not true to no, the I, saying. No, I get the saying. Yeah, we get totally. It. I get it. I get it. <laughs> we like our sayings. So, okay, so. Um, Tommy. Yep. Uh, we, we were great at the football. <laughs> we were. And probably. I, f- I feel like the football should be revisited. Okay, let's Because of our excellent, our excellent predictions prior, we are going to go mm-hmm. for our uh, championship game predictions. Yep. That mo- people will know that know the results by the time. When they hear this. Yep, because... Yep, so you'll be, be able to Sunday. judge whether or not uh, we are as bad as we were the first time or if we've turned the corner. Yeah. But I kind of want to ask you, as a as a native Wisconsinite... Yes. Wisconsiner? Sure. Okay. D- d- were you... Were Wisconsinese. You, were you sad <laughs> about the... About the... About the Packers that. having oh. like a yearly meltdown i know oh. that you're a cowboy oh, no no no, fan, no no yeah no no the, no the, the cowboys and packers had a lot in common this year yeah like they promised so much yeah. and then delivered so little yeah yeah it's a word that you keep using in your sermons on the weekend that i feel like is just really really true to being like a cowboy fan it's hevel <laughs> uh it's yeah meaning, it's meaningless <laughs> Uh, yeah, it never really delivers, does it? No, it does not deliver. No. Every expectation or hope I place in it uh, comes back. They were supposed to beat the Packers. Does it make you feel any better that it's the most valuable franchise in the in the entire world? No. $8.2 billion worth, I guess. Yeah. No, and they don't win anything. Better. Yeah, it makes me feel worse. Yeah, it makes me feel like they're... They're just sucking you guys dry like a yeah. giant mosquito. Yeah, I feel... And I feel bad, too, because I have... I have turned this into a legacy problem. So it doesn't just die with me. My son Zion is now he's a cowboy firmly guy. planted into the cowboy territory. Okay. Not uh, specifically because how'd of you me. get him? How did you get him used to that? Did you just also, like every morning just my wake mother, up and punch him in the gut and yeah, say, yeah. get used to it. <laughs> get used to this son. No, I, uh, my mom, the difference between that though. And the, and the Packers would be like, you'd promise him cupcakes and ice cream and yeah. then you'd punch him in the gut. Yeah. And then give him if cheese curds. If you were a pa- Packer fan, yeah. cause that's what they do. They, yeah. It's even worse. Yeah. Because at least the Cowboys, they get in one game and they're they're terrible, but the Packers come in and they're like, oh, we, we could upset be the good. Cowboys. We could, we could do good. it. We could do it. And then no, yeah. And then they decide to throw a kicker in there. Does not kick field goals. Yeah. Packers are really the Bills of the West. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Anyway. All right. So we got so speak- so yeah. Um. So my son now, right? Yeah. Uh, the reason that he is is because my mother also cowboy fan, Ooh. Uh, bribed him $50 to be a cowboy fan. This is real. Well, he real and true. He's like, I don't know. So just like Jerry Jones. My allegiance is my mother. <laughs> yeah. My mother has bought <laughs> the is allegiance. That a, is that an offer made to so, more than him? Yeah, I don't I, know. Well, I'd, be, I'd be interested. Listen, I'm, I'm, if you are interested in that, you just let me know, and I'll see if the offer's on the table. Um, maybe, you know, oh, also another thing, possibly... 
what if we did uh we should have the 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 seven people um who are listening right now vote on if we should take this on the road take what our sports commentary yeah no the podcast oh yeah should we do a trip to wisconsin oh yeah to lambeau field just kidding not that far wow maybe just just Sher- to Sherry's get- over here saying, yeah, Lambo. Sherry's like, yes. Yeah, right. Maybe just to Wisconsin to get you some cheese curds. <clears throat> we should go to a- on a frozen lake. It would be eight. great for us to go to uh, Wisconsin and have some sort of Wisconsin uh, endeavor. Yeah. That, like a true Wisconsin thing. Yeah. Okay. A day with Jeff and Tom. Me. In Mon- what? Where, did you, where are you from? Wilmot. Wilmot. Wilmot, Wisconsin. All right. We go to the stage stop. Oh, the brat stop. Yeah. There's a couple of places. Mars okay. Cheese Castle. Okay. okay. All right. I'm excited. Yeah, it's a real place. We'll go. Upper Crust Pizza. Man. Okay. It's going to be good times. All right. Football. It. Chiefs Ravens. Who's winning? Well, look. Who do I want to win? Yes. Well, I want the Ravens to win, which means the Chiefs will. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Yeah. yeah. This is how it works. Yeah. Who Whatever you... team I cheer for is going to be the one that loses. Okay. So. so the Taylor Swift curse gone, we believe. No, I, I think she's, yeah, no, I think the Chiefs actually giving I think the them NFL, power. I actually yeah. think the NFL wants, uh, wants they want Patrick Mahomes in there. I do. Wow. So what is that? Oh, uh, tell me, tell me more about that. Do you know what the WWE is? <laughs> I do. Okay. So remember uh-huh. how sometimes they would do mm-hmm. stuff and it would be like, that's weird. Yeah. That kind of looks like it was scripted. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Little Vince McMahon. Sometimes there's a little bit of that in the NFL. Oh, wow. So Deep. look. I'm cheering, I'm cheering for the for the Ravens though, just because they're not the Chiefs. All right, okay. next okay. one. Who next. you got? Who you got? Uh, Lions, 49ers. Wait, who do I have in that one? Yeah, I I mean I just I'm, it's hard to. I would say the Ravens too. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's that Lion, lock. That's a lock then. That's a lock. Folks, We're locked lock. in. We've didn't we've done it again. That's a lock for the Chiefs. So you can be sure the Chiefs will win. Uh, Lions, 49ers. So I'll tell you who I think will win, yep. which means the other team will win. So I think I think the 49ers will win. Mm-hmm. So congratulations, Lions. <laughs> and I think the Lions will win. Uh-oh. So well, this is gonna congratulations who, to the Lions. Which one of us is... Uh, Who's wrong? Yeah, one of us. One of us is wrong. You want the Lions to win? You think the Lions will win? Yeah, I think so. Nah. I think... Nah. I, just, I don't know. I've told you before, Jared Goff is not... He's not what you want. But he might be. No, he won't. Could be. That Those are words spoken by a Wisconsinite. I'm telling you. <laughs> those are words spoken like a Callaway fan. <clears throat> yeah. Could be. Yeah. But have you seen Dak? Have you? Yeah, it's going to be great. Press He's talk. amazing. You've seen him warm up. Press He's amazing. Have well, seen him warm up? <laughs> well, there you have it, folks. There you have it. You can, uh, you can bet for us. We don't care. Yeah. We'll just, but maybe just that's how oh. we could take care of the of the the church's uh, debt. We should open our own betting account here. Wow! Oh, that would yeah, that would take yeah. care of it. I all right. Just so you know, yeah. I haven't run that past the elders yet. Though. Yeah, yeah, it's probably smart. <laughs> I'm kidding, everyone. It's We're not a joke. Gonna take this, bets. We don't do bets. No, that's don't. not a real thing. We believe, uh-huh. the, we believe in the Lord. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, speaking of segue, we're gonna have a conversation. Yeah. Uh, with someone today and you guys are going to uh to talk and the person that we're talking that you're talking with today is john kilner dr john kilner and he's from our north shore campus he actually uh, many of the people who are listening might uh, recognize him from a video from this weekend's or last weekend's 
uh, worship service uh, about a new ministry that's launching called Faithful Medical Decisions. So you guys are going to have a conversation and uh, we're going to get into his right now. Let's go. across from Dr. John Kilner. It's great to have you. Great to be here. Dr. Kilner. Thank you. you, Is that what you prefer? No, let's not. No, definitely not. John, that's it. That's great. So you're called Dr. John Kilner because you have a doctorate in? Ethics. Ethics. Yeah. All right. Where did you get your doctorate from? Uh, At Harvard University. Mm. Mm. You mean the the Illinois one? (laughs) Yeah. Harvard, Illinois. That's right. Do they have a school there? No, I don't think so. Oh, okay. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Good. But anyway. What year did you graduate with your doctorate from Harvard? Well, from 83. And I got to tell you how I ended up there. You know, I finished my uh, MDiv Master of Divinity Studies at Gordon-Conwell Theological yeah. Seminary. And I was headed to PhD work because teaching, research, writing, those are my kind of areas. And we were in Boston at the time. And my wife, Suzanne, had, was just at the beginning, first year of a job, which is like a terrible time for her to move. Yeah. And so we were like, oh no, you know, for PhD programs, because we just figured out that's what I should be doing. Mm. Um, normally you apply to, you know, programs all over the country and, uh, you know, be lucky to get into one because they take like about one person a year in your specialty area. And so, yeah, my best programs in ethics were like all over the country. The only one in the Boston area though was Harvard. And so (laughs) when you applied, did you think that there was a good chance that you were going to get into Harvard? No. And so it's like, you know, okay, this is like, you know, the best program in the country. And so I'm going like, well, I guess I'm just gonna have to tread water for a year because after a year we could move somewhere Mm. around the country type of thing. So I'll see, I'll try, you know, apply to a few things in Boston and oh yeah. Okay. I'll put in an application to Harvard, but you know, that's ridiculous. I'll just have to, you know, tread water for a year and then we'll, we'll do the national search. So I put it in and it's like a couple days. I got later. in. That's it's like, come on. Well, this is like Lord a God. Th- oh, this is g- totally a God thing. I mean, yeah. it's like, how is this? He needed you at Harvard Yard. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It was fun. Yeah. So fun. my, just so you know, the yeah. crazy thing, I was born yeah. in, born in Boston. That was, really? and moved when I was two years old to this, this Seattle, but my extended family was all in New England. And so okay. uh, even today, Boston is one of those places I go back to and I feel a kinship yeah. with the folks there. And Gordon Conwell is in a beautiful spot for yes, those of you who don't is. know. It's a little bit north of the city mm. in a place called Hamilton, well, South Hamilton, yeah. mm-hmm. which is very, very quaint. You feel, it I actually, is. when I, when I've been there before, I felt like mm. I'm in some, I don't know, Henry David Thoreau poem <laughs> yeah, or something. Like, it's weird. It's a very... <laughs> It's yeah, right. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. It's with my son played it. last year in a baseball league in Cape Cod, in Cape, oh. Cape Cod, <laughs> and uh, it was great. Right. It was right. out there, and he played in the for a team called the Yarmouth Dennis. Oh, jeez, <laughs> Yarmouth Dennis Red Sox. Okay, but right. right. Yarmouth yeah. is the way they pronounce it. So yeah. my father, uh, from Boston, went to Tufts University, mm. all of that, and he. Uh, he still has a little bit of that uh, that Boston cam down yeah. 
type stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we were there like the first two years of the program. We were living up there. It was like I, we were married midway through my second year. So, and uh, it was just yeah, it was just like this this beautiful area it's or whatever. Yeah. And we, but being in the Gordon Connell context. We had uh, like way more exposure to people of different yeah. cultures, races, socioeconomic than we 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 were kind of grew up in a more sheltered uh, North Shore Chicago background, and mm-hmm. so we were so convicted about our limited exposure that we end up doing the third year. They have an inner city ministry program, so we moved into the roughest area of inner city Boston and. <laughs> talk about a, a life-changing year just being exposed to and just living in the midst of you know yeah. for a year uh such a diversity i mean the difference between there and south hamilton was very different so yeah. uh i want to know how you got <clears throat> involved in ministry but i want to mm-hmm. go back are you you're from chicago right that's Nor- where you grew up so what town yeah like, well uh, well met yeah i was born in evanston oh, wow. uh at age two Moved to uh, Wilmette. That's where I grew up. So it isn't, is Wilmette considered North Shore? It is. Okay. Yeah, it's the next town up the lake from you know Chicago, then Evanston, then Wilmette. Wilmette. And Got it. it because I was told the other day that yeah. Evanston's not North Shore. Well, that's interesting. Uh, some would view it kind of socioeconomically, culturally, as kind of midway between yeah. Chicago and North Shore. Evanston would be pretty defined by the university, I would think. Uh well, you know, it's quite diverse socioeconomically, okay. more so than the university would be. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. It's an expensive <laughs> university. <laughs> yeah. Um so you grew up you grew up there. There's yes. like high school, all of that all stuff. All the way when through, you're up. up through, yeah. Were you school. always a smart guy? What's that? Were you always a smart guy? Not smart oh. guy in like ah smart Yeah, guy. smart Alec. Well, uh, yeah. Well, in junior high now, I did play in a band. Mm-hmm. Um, their name was the Bad Habits. Okay. So I guess you could call that a little smart what, alecky. What? Uh, what? <laughs> By smart, I meant intelligent. Oh, but yes, okay. now that I'm interested in the band, okay. <laughs> yeah. Right. The band. Right. The band. Yeah. Uh, what? What? Uh, what instrument? Well, I played lead guitar. What? Um, it was put together by this guy who was a friend of our, who who was a real smart Alec, and uh, so we we played the music. But he said, "Hey, John, you should you should run for uh, uh, an office. You know, like in the school. Like the the big one was the program chair, who got to kind of do all the you know working with speakers and stuff like that. Right. And so I said, "Okay, you be my campaign manager." He said, "Okay, great." So. Um, your, uh, our, our theme will be, uh, all the way with JFK. <laughs> uh, now everybody, of course, when they saw the signs, they knew what all the way meant, yeah. you know? So we've got the, you know, the sexual innuendos going on. And he said, and, uh, for your big speech, um, your last line is going to have to be every school needs a John <laughs> toilet. And so nice. Wouldn't have been me, but you know he uh, nice. He rubbed off on me. Did you want to be a rock star? Uh, I actually seriously considered, well, semi seriously, <laughs> going into music because I did. I mean, going in in college, I was in an acapella group, yeah, but played acoustic guitar for a few uh, numbers that we would do, yeah, 
And then uh, went on uh, last couple of years. I played in those in the year of like years of Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah. So there was a group, Becker and Kilner. Now, if anybody tells you they've ever heard of it, they're lying. But, you know, we would do stuff around campuses. And then uh, I was in an university fellowship. Yeah. So my senior year, uh, Urbana 73, yeah. I was the featured musician, did a concert. So Urbana I, was a big... So for for those listening, Urbana historically was a missions co- like a missions yeah, conference. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Still ten thousand right? ten thousand students and still the, happening. Yeah, yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. So but yeah, so that was a you big were the deal featured in my life. Yeah. music of Urbana. Yeah, I did a set of like seven or eight songs. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Do you still do you still play? Uh, only a very little. Okay. Very little. Yeah. Just it just got squeezed out by time. Yeah. But yeah, uh-huh. it's fun. That's oh, that's fun. great. So, uh, so you grew up more uh, in, enjoying the arts. Uh, yeah. Intelligent, were you intelligent? To some degree, but what, what really kind of squeezed that out during high school is that I got interested in debate. Nice. And that became my primary Why did you activity. get interested in debate? Did you just like fighting people? I don't know. You know, I took a course in, in, in speech just kind of randomly early on. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember hearing from my mom that the... The teacher called my mom and said, this guy has to try out for the debate team. So she said, you've got to try out for the debate team. And so, I mean, this was like a big deal in the sense that, I mean, it was very competitive. It was like a national program where you, like team, two, two people on a team. Yeah. And there, there's an, uh, for the entire year, there's a, a resolution that you debate. So yeah. you, you go through, you know, debates and tournaments all through the year. And then at the on end the of the same, year. On the same resolution. Same resolution. Like resolved that yeah. the Packers are a good football team. Exactly. And you'd and either you'd, draw you'd, for or against. Yeah, well, upon. in a tournament, you do both. Yeah. You're going back and forth. Yeah. And at the end of the year, each state has its state championship. Mm-hmm. And then the state champions all meet in the national championship. Okay. So that was a big deal. Yeah. How far did you make it? Uh, U.S. national champion. What? Yeah, well. <laughs> That's impressive. Oh, thanks. What year? <laughs> that would be in 70. You need to get a t-shirt that yeah. says that. <laughs> I'm not kidding. No. Like it says U.S. national debate champion 1970. <laughs> yeah. John Kilmer on the back. Yeah, That'd be fantastic. Yeah, well. So. And what was, do you remember the resolution? Uh, yeah, it was that um, we should uh, prohibit unilateral military interventions in foreign countries. Oh. Yeah. Kind of a isolationist kind of topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was interesting. Right. It was interesting. Yeah. That's that's great. Now, so, how old were you when you did were you in college or is that high school? No, that's high school. So the national championship was then the, in the summer between high school and college. Okay. Right before going into When college, you went yeah. to the championship, did you feel like you could win it? Yeah. That's mm-hmm. fantastic. Yeah. But, you, yeah, I mean, you don't expect... It's kind of like, could you? Yes, but you don't. No. 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 I don't think you will. It just... So why not uh, Why not uh, then go as a, go into law? That, that seems to be the thing question. that most that is people a great, do. They do, exactly. And that's what I was expecting to do. Absolutely. So I was planning on... And so it's like, what do you do as an undergrad? There's no, like, law major. So Mm -hmm. I thought, well, I'll just develop writing and communication skills, English literature major at college. And what uh, college? uh, Yale. Mm -hmm. And so, whoa, whoa, whoa. You went from Yale to Harvard? (laughs) I know. It's like, 
it's, uh, competing loyalty. The Harvard Yale game is it's it's a hard it's it a is. hard time. All right. um, but anyway, uh, so then what happened is during my sophomore year, midway through my sophomore year, I became a Christian. How? And that messed up everything. So messed you up, messed up the plan. Was your family a church going or Christian they back in those were, days? And I was a great example of a cultural Christian. Okay. It's like, okay, you know, we go to church, we try to be good people. It's like that's that's all there is to it. And so uh when you went to Yale, that wasn't really on your radar. No, idea, not no. at all. I don't think I thought about God or religion my freshman year ever never would have considered going to church or to anything. I will say, though, that uh, it was true that there was no Christian activity going on in my face that year because several years before, there had been a proselytizing incident with some Christians and some Jewish students, and all Christian groups were banned. From Yale. From Yale for like a period of about four or five years. Wow. University, crusade, anything. Yeah. So you were there during that? No, you were there after that. No, yeah. So it was during the time when, when they were banned. So I never like saw anything, thought of anything. So then so when I became a Christian, which had nothing to do with, with the school, but had to do with a couple of people I had, I had met the summer after my freshman year in college. One guy I'd grown up with came back uh, like, hey, let's get together in the summer. We've had, you know, been away for a year. Uh, like, how was your year? And he's like, oh, it was great. I became a Christian. And I'm like, what are you talking about? We're like all Christians. Yeah. We all grew up as Christians. And he's then he started talking about this personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I was like, in like one minute, I could see he was talking about something I had never heard of, but I had no idea about so he shared the gospel with me, and my barrier was I was like I had such a rationalistic mindset. If you could see it, taste it, touch it, feel it, yep. it was real. But anything beyond that, you know, he's he's talking about this like wonderful thing, and I'm sitting there going like, so you're saying like like there's a million dollars there, and I just have to reach out my hand and grab it, and it's mine. I'd love to do that. So like where. What words do I say? You know, so he's yeah. like, we well, can pray this prayer, but I had like no faith. I yeah. mean, I could say the words, but I had no faith. Mm. And so at the end of that summer, I remet Suzanne, my current wife, yeah. whom I hadn't seen for a couple of years, and she'd become a Christian in the interim. Wow. And so went back to school. I wrote this guy, Scott, and her, Suzanne. Now, okay, now I have to explain this to you. We used to write letters. Yeah. There's like a piece of paper and a I'm pen. Not, I'm not that old. You, <laughs> I mean, I am that old. Sorry. You would write yeah. to yeah. send it through the mail. I remember those days. Anyway, so so I, we were corresponding during the fall. And so Suzanne, December, says, come down to Duke, where I am, you know, for like a long weekend. So I did. She arranged for me to stay with some guys in the Christian fellowship down there. Mm -hmm. And I spent like three days in the midst of like the Christian fellowship down mm -hmm. there. I went back to Yale Sunday evening. You just spend the evening share, like what were our exploits of the weekend? Yeah. So I'm like, well, I was, I was down there and I was, I was with like these Christians and all I can say is Christ 
was alive in their midst. Mm. I, I can't explain it, but I experienced it. I went to bed that night, and I just reflected on what I had just said. And I realized I knew that was true, and I just gave my life to Christ. I mean, it was like experiencing faith yeah. as a gift. Yeah. So that's so. So then it's like, okay, Lord. So what do you want me to do with my life? Uh, still a lawyer. And so, did you ask that? I mean, once you make this decision yeah. to follow Christ, yeah. did you immediately ask the question like, okay, so I'm going to do this. I, I want to. Like, what does this mean for me? Yeah, I did, but not about the vocation. That came junior year, okay. when, like a year later, when I'm starting to think like, okay, now is my assumption about becoming a lawyer real? Yeah. Now, this is, this is hard because it's not that I think that being a lawyer is unchristian, mm -hmm. but my problem with my debate background is that I had experienced, as we just talked about, like going into a debate and it's like, doesn't matter either side of the question I'm on, I'll just go in and people will say, okay, that's the way it is. Yeah, you know, and I would win. as they say. Yeah. It's just, and so I'm sitting there going it, yeah. like, yeah, I'm going to be like, okay, like in a courtroom, like with a, with a guilty person and going in and saying, you know, well, this is, this is why this person is obviously innocent and they're going to, Regardless of what you think about it, yeah, you're making a, you're, you're having to make the argument. That's your job. Yeah. Make the argument. Right, yeah. right, exactly. And I just could not get over that. I couldn't get past it. It's like, and it's just like God saying, this, that's not what I have for you to do. Again, mm. as I say, other people, there are ways of sure. understanding that. But for me, it was like, I could not get past that. So I'm like, what, what should I do, Lord? And I consider like everything under the sun. And I, I, nothing seemed to click. And so I was getting like halfway through senior year, I've got to apply for something or do something. And I was walking down the hallway one day at college, and it was like seeing the handwriting on the wall. There was a flyer, and it said, if you're headed in some other direction, but if given a completely paid-for year of theological study, would consider where that might lead, apply for this fellowship. <laughs> and I'm like... Hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm a, a new Christian. If this led nowhere, but I just got a year of theological yeah. study, like what a great year! Fantastic. So I applied for it. It was a Rockefeller Foundation fellowship. Got it. You could go anywhere you wanted to. Uh, so I'm like, okay, I need to go to a solid biblical seminary. Has to be in New England because this this girl I'm yeah. developing relationship yeah, with is cool. in Connecticut. So evangelical new england huh gordon Conway. yes it's really the only one it's all right the only yeah. one so that's how i ended up there oh that's fantastic yeah and when you went to seminary did you like uh in your mind were you thinking like, once you're there for a year and you're yeah. like okay i'm gonna continue doing this were yeah. you thinking pastoral work i had no idea no idea whatsoever and so i explored that for sure um you know did a uh uh, took a course and uh, kind of a quasi internship with uh, a guy named Gordon McDonald at Grace yeah. Chapel in Lexington, and uh, really explored it. I mean, seriously. But that uh, pastoral ministry was was it's, it wasn't wasn't what God had for me. So I, after exploring all these things, remember I told you about that that year, the inner city year. It's my third year, right. and, and it was like. 
I was just getting involved in, in the needs that were ravaging people's lives. And I was just, re- I was just really f- like, okay, uh, yeah, there's something here. And so I set up a meeting with one of my profs and it was like, I need to get a sense of, you know, this vocational direction. And basically what came out of that, he said, okay, what are, let, let's take a look at your passions. What, what, what was God really laid on your heart? Let's take a look at your abilities. Let's take a look at your giftings. Yes. Yeah. And see if there's a, you know, like, where does this all come right. together type of thing? And it was clearly being involved in engaging the issues that are ravaging people's lives. But your gifting, you could do that in a lot of different ways. Your gifting is research, writing, teaching. Mm. And so I remember that being one of the saddest days of my life because after three years of graduate school, I could see that I needed like, five or six more years of PhD study. <laughs> I remember coming <laughs> home and telling this. Suzanne, she's yeah. like, by the way, I learned that I should I probably get a PhD. <laughs> 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 that was, but anyway, that, that's, so that's where we went from there. But you chose uh, ethics yeah. to do your PhD. Right. Uh, right. Is there a reason? Issues of the day that are ravaging people's lives. Okay. It was, I mean, as simple as that. And it was, you know, and when, and when I, when I started the program, my very first semester, I took a course in this new field in the field of ethics called bioethics. Nice. Yeah. And that set me on a lifetime trajectory John, right that, there. Yeah, and it has. And yeah. it, it's interesting. It's it is the place mm. of debate now, in my yeah. opinion. Oh. It is the issue. All yeah. of the issues that we talk about are things yeah. about what does it mean to be human? Yeah. And right, right. What, what's right and wrong mm. regarding, mm. you know, mm. do people have souls? Do they yeah. have, I mean, all of that stuff yeah. is very much yeah. uh, p- part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So what did you, you thought that you were going to write books and teach at a university? Yeah, I actually, I thought I would teach in, because of my experience becoming a Christian in a secular university and uh, really like seeing how there were a couple of Christian professors there. And wow, what a difference they made. I, I really had a vision for that. I thought that's what would happen. So when you finish your, your PhD program, you look for the few jobs out right. there anywhere in the country who that, you know, in your specific field. And it turned out that there were no good opportunities like in a secular university but this place that I actually hadn't heard of before, I will will confess, but it was is, was one of the you know strongest evangelical seminaries, Asbury Theological Seminary yeah. in uh, the Lexington, Kentucky area. Um, they had a church in society program, so it was basically kind of social ethics that they had launched like, I don't know, five or six years earlier, uh, had one professor in it who had developed Alzheimer's disease and died, and they had this opening, and they wanted to bring somebody in to, like, develop this program. And it was an amazing opportunity because usually you come out and, you know, you go into uh, a multi-person uh, department yeah. and you do all the grunt work. <laughs> You know, but this teach, one is like, to, yeah, it's like, right, it. developing a, a, a program and, uh, you know, bringing in bioethics, which it, which it hadn't had yeah. before. So it was a wonderful opportunity. Were you married at the time? Yes. And uh, so that's where our two children were born uh, in the Lexington, in Kentucky, Kentucky area. Nice great. area to well, how many, uh, at what Where in this story did you get married? 
Uh, we got married uh, midway through my second year of the three years at the Master of Divinity at yeah. Gordon-Conwell. That's yeah. great. Mm-hmm. And yeah. did Suzanne, uh, did she finish her education? Yeah. Or is there a reason that she... She was one year ahead of me. Okay. She married the young, you know, yeah. Rob the she, Cradle. Totally. I'm, I'm, she's I'm like nine yeah. months younger than her. But that was a year over, you know, yeah. and it was amazing that we ever met, Jeff, I have to tell you, because... Um, uh, we went to a high school that had over a thousand people, students in each grade. Wow. So you didn't know like half the people in your grade. You didn't know anybody like outside of your grade because all your courses were in your grade level, mm-hmm. except the sciences. There were three sciences, chemistry, biology, physics, and you only had to take two. So that meant they put seniors and juniors in the sciences. And Suzanne and I... Uh, we're in the same chemistry class. We still wouldn't have met. It was a fairly large class. There's all sorts of jokes there. Type of I just thing. want you to know I've left them alone about the chemistry and the... Okay. Oh. Yeah, that's fine. Did you know about, about about our story? No. Hit me. I'd asked my mom all my life growing up how I would know the person for me, the one for me. And she said, she'd tell me, you know, these various things that all mesh and have in common, whatever, but beyond everything else... There will be the right chemistry. chemistry. That's <laughs> she had always said that. Yeah, that's and good. Suzanne and I met in yes. chemistry class. We missed uh, school the same day, totally unrelated reasons. When you miss a chemistry class, you have to stay after school the next day. If there was a chemistry experiment, that right. you have to make it up. She and I were the only ones that missed. Yeah. We had to stay after the next day. We had to work together. So praise God for providential sickness. <laughs> And, and the, the rest is history. <laughs> How many years have you been married? Uh, we have been married now 47 years. Congratulations. That's fantastic. Yeah, 47 years. That's really fantastic. You got two yeah. children. We do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And uh, how old? How old are they? And when right, were, they were both born in, in Kentucky. Yes, they were. Yeah, exactly. One in 1984, one in 1988. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, Beth was uh, 84. She's married now uh, to a professor in social ethics, and uh, they have two young boys. Are they nine, nearby? Nine and six. They're in Hyde Park, Chicago. Oh, wow. So we got two grandsons there. Our son, Paul, uh, is still living with us because he has special needs, yeah. uh, Down syndrome, autism spectrum issues. And um, those are our two. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so how long were you teaching at Asbury? And when- yeah, eight years. Eight years. Yeah. And uh, then came to Chicago to work... Uh, there are two centers in bioethics that, that paid any attention to religious concerns. The field was rapidly becoming so secularized with you know, just philosophy and law and that sort of thing. And uh, a senior position opened up at the one in Chicago. Um, and so that's what brought me to Chicago originally to work in that center but one thing I discovered fairly early on, and that is they were dealing with all religious perspectives. Mm. So the idea was to help people in their tr- religious traditions to deal with these bioethical issues. So you wanted to make Christians better Christians, uh, Muslims better Muslims, Buddhists mm. better Buddhists. And that, uh, I know you can work 
kind of academically in, in a field of religion and just do that kind of descriptively. But that, that just really did not mesh well with my sense of like, what I am doing vocationally is this is to the glory of God and yeah. yes, helping people, but also seeking to uh, bring people to Christ. And so a couple of years into that, a foundation put up some money to gather together key Christians in bioethics to spend a weekend together to explore. The church deals a lot with, talks a lot about abortion, but aren't there a host of other issues in, in this bioethical field that the church really isn't paying attention to or addressing? And the upshot of this uh, consultation was, yes, there are, and there needs to be some vehicle to do that. We need some sort of center to bring people together across institutional, professional, denominational mm-hmm. lines. So we've got to develop a center. And so people are like, well, let's see now who uh, understands the field of bioethics, but also the mechanics of a center. Anybody yeah. among us here working in a center You're right like, now? Wait, that's me. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> like, John, we think this is you. Yeah. It's like, okay, oh, yeah. do we have any money? No. <laughs> so how are we going to do anything to get known so that we can raise money? Mm. It's like, any money to like my family to live on? No. So in any case, without going into all the details, the Center for Bioethics and Human Dignity was launched. It was located near Trinity Evangelical Divinity School because it had the only evangelical degree work going on related to bioethics and Chicago was good for national and international center work. And, uh, I crazily agreed to be the founding director. So you're happy you did it though. That was in 94, 1994. Yeah. So tell me a little bit, uh, for people who are listening, what, what are the most pressing bioethical issues that you would, you would say are facing Christian people today? Right, right. Um, yeah, well, the, the field of bioethics has kind of moved through several uh, phases. Um, and uh, the first phase, some people have called, uh, you know, having to do with taking life. And so it was the abortion, it was the euthanasia-assisted suicide, and, you know, the kind of killing challenges, uh, fatal uh, a lack of regulation in medical research. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of moved to the area from taking life to making life. Mm-hmm. And so we got into these reproductive issues where we could create, now there's like 40 ways to make a baby. Yeah. Um, and the genetics area where you could alter the genetics and begin yeah. to make people the way we want them to be. That's still rather cutting edge because we're just refining the kinds of technologies now that are, a, that are enabling us to really alter the genetic code and ultimately have the babies with the traits we want to have and discard the ones that don't measure up. That's, yeah, that's a whole thing. But that's still very, very real. Well, the problem is we never solved the abortion or the euthanasia no, issues. Didn't. We just moved on no, to just got bored. technologies uh, to create life. And now we've kind of moved from taking to making to to faking. 
yeah. uh, life. And we've got, we're developing these technology, artificial intelligence, intelligence. Yeah, yeah exactly. Where I was just we are playing with an AI generator people. downstairs okay. before we did this. Yeah. <laughs> messing around with like, oh okay, so what if we wrote a Christian song with these things and yeah. image creators and things. And I was talking to Tommy Ooh. actually and saying Ooh. like there, there are so many, uh, jobs <laughs> that are at risk now yes uh, beca- oh, because yes. of this and the difficulty yes. of trying to verify between whether something is just regurgitated because of an ai generator was able to scour the internet and find those things or if it's ge- a genuine thing that somebody has written is yes ne- I, I, oh. I, i'll be honest with you i oh. it's indiscernible to me and i yes. i don't <laughs> yeah and it creates all sorts of very big questions about like, what is it? What is a human? Right. And right. what, what I had a friend the other day yeah. asked me this question. So you can, mm, answer, yeah. you can answer it. If, <laughs> if we end up getting to the point where we can actually create, uh, robots that have all of the, all of the traits that human beings have, are they human? Now my answer was no, because I think the human soul makes, I'm right. A, I'm actually a dualist in that sense. Yeah. Substance yeah. So I, right. Right. I, right. But it is raising the question. <laughs> yes, right. No, absolutely. And I think, you know, it goes back to, uh, to creation. And, you know, you look at Genesis 1, and there are these different, uh, different translations, different kinds or different you know, types or categories, you know, and you've got the, the plants and the, you know, the animals and the humans. And it's, it's actually only the humans that are said to be created in God's image. And I think that that being in God's image is really the core distinctive here. And I think that that's something that uh, any sort of uh, AI or artificial intelligence would not, would not fall into that. So how does, how does secularism Mm -hmm. meaning those, so so through the enlightenment, we've killed off God. And uh, (laughs) so now we're, we're, we've kind of leached off Mm -hmm. of and borrowed a lot of Christian ethics and things like that. But now we're at a point where we're kind of beyond that and creating yeah. some of our own things. And so how, how does human dignity remain in a society where God's and the statement that God, you know, that we're made in God's image, how, right. how does that right. remain? Right. Or are you skeptical That's, that it will remain? Yeah. Well, I think I am skeptical that it will remain in the purely secular arena, you know, because of, because of this, um, a number of years back, um, I thought, you know what would be a, a great project to do? Uh, it would be to put together a team of people who, like each of whom kind of specialized in a, in a, in a different like, way of thinking that's, that's popular today. So let's, let's take a look at like five or so of the, how do people like think and make decisions and view the world type of thing. And let's, let's, let's make biblical Christianity like one of those, but let's say, um, okay, how do each of these ways, of, uh, the choices that we kind of have before us that people take today in terms of how, how we think, how we view people, how we make decisions, and let's say, how do they make sense of the idea that people matter at all, yeah. that, that there's any such thing as human dignity, human significance, uh, that it's not okay to go around like, 
you know, killing and abusing people because, you know, most people, no matter what the way of thinking would say, yeah, no, it's not okay to go around maiming, abusing and killing people. But can they make sense of that? And so, so we did this project and, and what we found was not only could you not make sense of the idea of human dignity in any, any outlook other than biblical Christianity, but actually you were undermining yeah, the very idea of human dignity yeah. because of that. And so, so what, what would we do? We wrote a book, of course. Yeah, good. What's <laughs> Why People Matter. Yeah, it's lovely. Yeah. That's great. And when was it published? Uh, that's a good question. I guess it must have been around uh, in 2000, I don't know, wow, recent 12, anyway. 15, yeah, that's great. somewhere Why in people there. matter. So if yeah. you want to pick something up, it yeah. talks about human no, dignity. No, I mean, in order to do, I have to tell you this, though. In order to do this, I thought, okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the person who, <laughs> right, I'm in the biblical Christian uh, arena, and that'll be easy because, you know, kind of the core idea here is uh, being in God's image. Mm-hmm. And so I started looking into it. I never had before and found that, whoa, there's like five or six logically contradictory conflicting views, even in the evangelical community, mm-hmm. about what it means to be in God's image. Uh-oh. Um, and I didn't even realize that yeah. in history it had been something that was used to do terrible yeah. damage in all sorts of communities. So before we could even do that project, I had to do a whole project myself on what does it mean to be created in the image of God. And so that became a whole book in itself called Dignity and Destiny, yeah. Humanity in the Image of God. And so... Then we were able to embark on the other project right. to, to compare it. And wow, um, I just became so thoroughly uh, amazed. I mean, my appreciation for for God just like went through the roof. I mean, I just came to see that yeah. who, you know, like we are, <laughs> like God, there is no one like you. I mean, just like right out of, out of Isaiah. Yeah. Um, and that uh, what being in the image of God is all about is not really what many people just kind of intuitively think, because they think about well, we're in the image of and and image and likeness of God. Oh, okay, so that we're like God. But is that really what it's saying? Because there's so much in Scripture that's saying God's saying there's no one like me, right? And we sing that you know on Sunday like there's no one like you. Well then. It surely can't be saying that we're like God. Um, And so what I learned in a nutshell was that what the New Testament was teaching was that Jesus Christ is the image of God, Mm. and we are created according to the image. What it is is it's saying that the agenda, the norm, the model for our existence is God. In fact, Jesus Christ in particular. Mm. So it's talking about who God intends us to be, mm. wants us to be. It's not a statement about how great we are <laughs> in, our, in our fallenness right now. So that That's was just fascinating. life-changing. I want to read all your stuff now. So That's no, no, no problem. <laughs> Which I didn't read beforehand because I was <laughs> no. trying to limit my knowledge about you so I could ask all yeah, sorts yeah, of right. questions. I will okay. tell you, okay, yeah. we're running out of time. But listen, mm-hmm. one of the, okay, I have a friend 
who uh, did his PhD recently in uh, this area. And one of the things he was sent, he would send me these occasionally send me some like videos and things. And one of the most striking ones I had, he actually sent it. It was from Korea and it was a a commercial. And the commercial was about this little um, hologram companion that lived with this single guy. Huh. And you could you could make the little hologram companion any anything you want it to be. It could be a little anime girl. It could be yeah. another guy. I mean, it could be anything. Yeah. This little hologram companion would text him during the day and say, "I'm looking forward to having you come home. I'm thinking about you. Right. All right. of these things." And the guy, I mean, he had a watch and it would text it and stuff like that. And he'd come home, and as soon as he came home, you know, like I have a dog and she loses her mind whenever I walk in the door. Well, this companion does this same thing all the time. (laughs) And anyway, this is a product that they are selling because loneliness is such a huge issue in, uh, in those particular areas, especially in places like Seoul, Korea, uh, Tokyo, other that this has become something that they sell like bakes. They're selling you a friend, right? There's a movie a number of years ago called her. Yes. That that was a, basically a guy had the same thing, and right. he fell in love with the AI in his head. This right. this woman who was not a woman; it was just a. That's right. Yeah, and then he lost his mind to realize that she's been speaking to millions of men because <laughs> it's right. just the computer. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, mm-hmm. it raises it raised all sorts of questions for me about, like, how how weird the future is going to be. And how many challenges are going to be there uh, when it comes to genuine mm. Christian community and or genuine community, and it also how many open doors there are right for the Christian to be able to speak into that world because right. we do have a worldview that answers the questions in the most coherent manner. That's right, and that's that's why I think that it. Is, I I mean I'm so excited that Harvest has said you know we need to equip our people. Yeah to be able to live in this world. Yep. And so this this launching this past week of the Faithful Medical Decisions Ministry is all about saying we're going to we've put together a team of people who are there to provide personal consultations if you're dealing with these tough decisions in the face of end of life and the in the face of beginning of life. We've developed all these biblically grounded resources now on the the Harvest website so that people can really develop a a genuinely biblical Christian mindset in the face of these challenges as as we're facing. And uh, I'm just really excited that Harvest has stepped up to the plate and is going to really, I think, provide leadership here. And what really excites me about this also is that in the face of these issues, when people's illusions that we're in control of our life is stripped away, that's a time when people are really open to the gospel. They really I think are. The opportunity here is, yeah. is fantastic. Fan- John, thank you so much for both talking to me and also for the work that you've done on this oh. subject and offering it now to Harvest and for the people here in particular. May God be glorified. Yeah, it's uh, harvestbiblechapel.org slash medical. medical if you're interested at all. Or I imagine there's a link on the front page of our website too if you need to go and do that. But mm. um please avail yourself of it. It's going to be, it's a really, even if, listen, even if you don't have any questions like this right now, go to, go, when you're just sitting around and you got your iPad out or your phone or whatever, go to the webpage, have a look around, 
uh, what they're, <laughs> what's there because these questions will arise in your mind or in your experience in the next little while. And then you'll know, oh, I know a place because your friends will ask you about these things and you can say, oh, I know a place that actually has some good guidance in those things. God bless you. Thanks so much. Amen. Yeah. Talk to the rest of you later. Thanks. Thanks.